Testing, testing. This is Stefano Virgili from Vox Podcast, and together with me today, Diane Ha, our co-host, and Audrey Sheng from Moringa School. Hi. 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 You are so both just in Kenya, a... right? Yes. Well, one is <laughs> she... indoor and the other is outdoor. I can see. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So just to do a brief um, um, intro on Audrey. So this is Audrey Chang. She's a friend and also the founder of Moringa School. Um, and you can check them out at moringaschool.com. And uh, so Moringa School is one of the, uh, you know, rare and more established uh, coding schools in Africa, I would say. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so we are very lucky today to speak to the very busy Audrey Chang. <laughs> um, why don't we start with, uh, tell us, you know, the story behind your startup and how did you move from journalism to education? Sure, absolutely. Um, and, and, and thanks for inviting me to be on this podcast today. Um, yeah, so, so essentially, uh, I guess my journey with uh, Moringa School started in 2014. Um, and so at that point, um, you know, I, I was actually, uh, you know, working for a venture fund in Kenya called Savannah Fund. And so we uh, invest in early stage tech companies across the continent. Um, and so, you know, I think that that experience was really eye-opening for me uh, because my, my role was to help, you know, source for deals, but also to, uh, to, to you know, continue to, to accelerate the growth of our existing portfolio. Um, and so when I was really kind of on the ground, when I was working with entrepreneurs and, and understanding what the biggest challenges were um, to actually building a successful company, um, I realized that one of the biggest challenges was, was just around talent, right? So a lot of our companies, um, they, they just couldn't find the right talent, uh, and especially in tech. Um, and, and that's just a massive bottleneck to be able to actually, you know, grow, grow your business significantly. And so I think for, for me, the, the moment that it really kind of landed was when one of our companies um, approached me one day uh, asking if, you know, like asking, you know, where they can find a strong developer and that, you know, they had been looking for six to nine months. Um, and at that point, he was considering and ultimately he did decide to outsource his work uh, to India. And so, you know, I, I moved to Kenya originally um, because I was really excited about the idea of, sorry, my cat's tail, really excited about the idea of, um, of you know, like really like supporting local talent uh, to build their, their economies. Um, and, and so it, you know, when I realized that actually the biggest bottleneck towards like, you know, building, uh, building businesses, creating more jobs, um, was really about the, the skills and the talent. I realized that we had to start, uh, start first from square one before we actually move forward. And so essentially, you know, long story short, it, it was, it was kind of a, a problem that I became really fascinated by. Um, so, you know, I had uh, previously and like in different like jobs here and there, like worked in education um, I, and just had never seen um, the, the kind of, uh, I guess, challenges uh, that, that were here, right? So not only was, uh, you know, education and curriculum in universities outdated, it was theoretical, you know, we see that in other parts around the world, but on top of it, uh, teachers, um, you know, are constantly protesting because the, the system isn't really working for them either. Um, and so generally, um, you know, with all the challenges that students face, it does take on average about five years uh, for university graduates to get a full-time job um, after they graduate. And so it, it's quite a big uh, challenge. And on top of it, to actually get into university, only about 13% of students, uh, secondary school graduates who actually 
pass the secondary school exam are able to get a spot in university uh, because there just aren't enough spots either. And so I think that the problem in the transition from secondary to tertiary education is pretty massive. Um, and, you know, it, again, it was just a, a problem that I was really interested in solving and, and figuring out can we actually build an alternative education system um, that is very necessary and needed. It's not a nice to have, but it's a need to have um, in, in these parts of the world. Um, and so that's essentially how how we started uh, Moringa. Very cool. That makes sense. Actually, when I, I'm thinking back to those days when I'm recruiting and looking at resumes, I see actually lots of gaps between school, college. College also takes like, you know, potentially 10 years, a few years here and you stop and work and then a few years again. Um, yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. But how, so you, you studied journalism, right? Like how did you, um, you know, uh, move from that, which is, I, I feel like it's entirely different to, you know, starting Moringa School. Yeah, um, so, so, so essentially, I guess the, the, the question is around like, why, like, how did I tr transition from journalism into, I guess, the work in Kenya, and then eventually at Moringa. Um, and so essentially, I studied journalism in university. So it was actually journalism and global health. And so, you know, I, I think I, I'm, I'm still like, I love writing, um, you know, writing is still like my preferred way of communication. Um, and so I, I, I guess, like, for, for me, like that was always a passion that, that I had and still continue to have. But like when it came to the practicalities of being a journalist, it actually meant I was writing about, uh, you know, quick turnaround stories. I was writing about problems as opposed to really being part of solutions. Um, and for me, that wasn't fulfilling enough. Um, and, and so and I started turning my eye more towards um, more towards like, how can we actually solve the problems that I'm writing about? And so actually when I was at university, I spent a good amount of time, uh, you know, working for startups, um, you know, learning from, you know, incredible CEOs and, and other entrepreneurs um, and really kind of felt, got a lot of experience exposure into problem solving um, th through that space. And I think on the side of, you know, why Kenya? So um, like I said, when I was in university, I also studied uh, global health. And so for me, global health was really about uh, realizing that, you know, a lot of money constantly gets poured into emerging markets every year. Um, but the output of that money is generally low uh, because of uh, you know the, the you know the expenses, operational expenses, and really not kind of solving for like the, the end user. And I realized that you know when you're working for a company or when you're building a company, like if we're not solving problems for our customers, then we go we go bankrupt. And so that, that's kind of how I kind of merge the two of you know wanting to be part of solutioning, um, but also wanting to. Um, to, to actually, you know, build something where we're listening to the end user, we're, we're building something for them as, as opposed to building solutions off of our, our own assumptions. Interesting. That's a true entrepreneurial spirit that can't be, can't be fought with. <laughs> um, okay, so, so what's, uh, what, can you tell us whatever you can share? What is your secret sauce or what, what makes Moringa, you know, more successful and well-known than other tech and school and coding schools around here? Yeah, um, that, that's a great question. I mean, I think for, for one, we've, uh, we've, we've survived. <laughs> um, I, and, and so, you know, I, I think there, of course, in the last couple of years, there have been many times when 
uh, I, I've also just thought like, okay, like, I don't know if this can, you know, like, it just felt really challenging. Um, but I think ultimately, we just kept pushing and we, and we kept, you know, solving really hard problems uh, to get us to, to where we are today. And so, you know, even in our first year, like our first class was a class of the five students, uh, and our, our next class was a class of 11, then 12, then 20, right? So our, our first year, like we, we trained less than 50 people. Um, and I think, you know, I've seen other programs also, like, across the continent also start and be like, wow, like, you know, we're, we're not at the, at the scale that Moringa's at, like, it, it must not be working for us. But I think that the reality is that we also started quite small, um, but we just continue to, to keep listening to our students, like listening to our employers. Um, and in that process, continue to, to build like a stronger reputation over time. And so, you know, like, even with Moringa, like our, our biggest uh, you know, marketing channel now is still word of mouth. So, you know, our students are, are telling their friends, our alumni as well, um, our Moringa parents are telling their friends. And so I, I think it's just like naturally, like our, our network has grown because of our increase in the number of students every year. Um, so, so I think that's definitely been a big one. I think also the other thing is that Moringa, since we started um, up until 2019, we were actually completely bootstrapped as a company. Um, and so like, you know, we were essentially still growing about like 100% year on year. Um, but because we were bootstrapped, we had to be very careful about the way that we were spending money. So, you know, really kind of uh, deliberate on like, you know, I think something that makes Moringa different as well is the fact that we've been bootstrapped uh, from, you know, 2014 to 2019 when we raised our first round. So I think that created quite a lot of discipline around like, you know, like where we actually invest. Um, every time we think about making a hire, it's, you know, is this person really going to generate the ROI that we expect? Um, like for like, in order to, you know, obviously build the business and, and increase the impact uh, that we're making. And so I think it, it made us a lot uh, thriftier um, and also a lot more resourceful as well about how can we achieve the same outcome with less. And so we've always sort of had that mentality as an organization and we continue to have it even even though we, we've like now raised around um, both equity and also um, uh, like through foundations as well. Um, but you know it, it's something that's very important to us is that we uh, we do have like a strong and, and lean business model uh, no matter when. Interesting. That's amazing that you managed to go this far, so many years into the business bootstrapping. And is that, is that um, when you talked about the challenges at the beginning, is that why, you know, the, the challenges of being able to grow or being able to, um, you know, market widely, um, that's, that's mostly what you're referring to, is it? Um, so I, I guess our, our challenges in the beginning, I mean, I think we definitely had had a lot. <laughs> um, so, so when we started, I mean, obviously, it was, it, we were a very small team. Um, we were paying uh, all of our teachers like way below market rate, uh, just because we, we didn't have the cash flow to actually afford. Um, so, so again, it was a lot of negotiation with, uh, with some of our, like our, you know, starting team members um, who really just believed in, in our mission and our vision. Um, I, and so, you know, I, I think like those are some challenges. I think other challenges, of course, were that we were, you know, running our course while we were also building it. And so, you know, we were like still building curriculum up until the, the, the day that we were actually teaching courses. And so, um, you know, that became challenging. Um, you know, it was just really like doing everything at once. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. So, so I think definitely a good number of challenges. But I think end of the day, like we always try to stay as focused as we could. Um, because we were a small team, because we, uh, you know, we, we were trying to, to, do, to do a lot with, uh, with, with just a few people. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it, it did help us, um, like, build the culture that, that we have today. Interesting. Wow. It was, must have been an amazing, like, adventurous past several years for you. <laughs> um, uh, Stefano, uh, do you have any questions for Audrey? Yeah, a couple of questions. One, I would like to know what the name Moringa means. 
Uh, sure. Um, so, so the, the Moringa plan is actually native to uh, a native to Kenya and, and other kind of parts of the world. Um, and so for us, like, you know, Moringa is supposed to be a super plant. And similarly, you know, we wanted Moringa to also be like a super school um, because we felt like one of the, the biggest pain points in society um, is is really about like, you know, the lack of like truly market aligned and quality education. Um, and so that's why, uh, yeah, that's what we called it Moringa School. I understand. I also come from uh, education background. I, I used to train. Um, I used to have a training center in Singapore. Uh, and I started the training center as well, bootstrapping. I remember I was admin, uh, marketer, trainer. Uh, I was doing everything. Then slowly grew to a team, larger and larger. And at the, at the point, I was no longer a trainer, um, which was the reason why I started a training center to, to start with. I, I enjoy the training part. Uh, so the question for you is, first of all, if you are a trainer, and secondly, if you are now being just a manager and you miss training in case you used to train before. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that's a think good question. I, I, I mean, I think when we started, you know, so I personally, like, you know, I, I do have somewhat of a tech background. Uh, it's been a number of years since I've actually uh, been, been working on that side, uh, which is ironic, but, um, you, you know, but most of my background is, is, is more on like the, the business admin side. So even in the very beginning, like my co-founder and, you know, some of our trainers, like they were a lot more technical uh, than I was. So they were actually driving that part of the training. Um, and the training that I was really driving was more on like, you know, soft skills side and, and making sure our students were well equipped uh, to be able to succeed uh, once they start interviewing with employers. And so, yeah, I, I think in many ways I do miss um, more closer interaction with students. Um, and, 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 you know, like, like just being able to really check in and, and really know like how their journey is and really feel that the direct impact uh, that I'm making uh, on their lives, as opposed to, you know, as you mentioned, like quite a lot of the, the admin and the strategy and, and the higher level business work uh, that, that I'm currently focused on and driving now. Um, but that being said, you know, I think in every part of the journey, I've really kind of enjoyed, you know, what the, what the new learning curve uh, will be and look like. Um, I, and so I, I guess, I, you know, as much as you know, I, I do miss uh, not being able to be closer to students. Um, I, I also am uh, enjoying, you know, being able to, to learn like a new set of like mindsets and skills uh, to really, you know, drive our, our mission forward. Interesting. I remember those moments where we started growing larger, much larger than we expected. We didn't even have enough computers for the students. We had to buy the, the computers as they were enrolling. And so I totally feel the same way when it was about how to spend the money wisely and how to make uh, the best of the, of the cash flow. Um, I want to ask you also something about the curriculum. Um, for instance, in our training center, I remember we started with eight courses, which I was teaching entirely. We ended up with 54 different uh, courses, um, completely different curriculum, even in totally different direction. Like we never taught uh, 3D until two years into the business. Uh, we started integrating social media and other things that were not considered part of our core mission at the beginning. Um, so the first question is, uh, number one, how many curriculums you have uh, and how often do you update them? And the second question is, uh, when you update your courses, do you also integrate new knowledge and new, um, new programs, new languages? Yeah, um, absolutely. So, so, so sorry, I, I, I think I, I missed the, the, the first question. Yeah, the first question. Was, yeah, the first question was, uh, um, uh, how often do we, do you update your curriculum, and um, uh, currently, how many curriculums you have? 
And the second part is that when you update your curriculum, do you also add new courses and integrate new technology or you just uh, refurbish the existing curriculums? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we do have, uh, you know, a product and learning team at Beringa. And so, you know, the, the product team is really about, you know, are we meeting the, the students' expectations? Like, what are the new opportunities coming down the pipeline? Um, and our learning team is really about, you know, designing the, the, the pedagogy and the full learning experience. Uh, you know, really thinking about, um, you know, the, like our teachers, like what their role is in the classroom, uh, thinking about our, uh, you know, obviously our curriculum and uh, how up-to-date it is. And so, yeah, our, our learning team definitely does um, get inputs from our outcomes team, which does, you know, has quite a lot of interactions with employers. And so, you know, we, we do have like a backlog of input and feedback from employers uh, on how to make our curriculum better and stronger. And so our, our curriculum is, it's almost like a live curriculum that's constantly being updated um, because, you know, obviously technology trends are changing quite quickly. Um, you know, we're con there's constantly like software updates that we have to, um, to be aware of to update our curriculum. And so, you know, our, our programs right now are in software development and data science. Um, and what we found is that, like, you know, those two topics in and of themselves are quite broad. Uh, and there, there's a lot of different, um, you know, like customer segments that are interested in, uh, you know, receiving that type of education in, in various ways. And so, you know, what we're looking at, you know, at that potentially more as a di differentiator um, over, uh, you know, moving quickly into other, other curriculums. Can you share some numbers on the um, longevity of your students once they take the first course? How long is the average course? Do they come back to take another course subsequently? Uh, do you build a sort of a loyalty with the, with the, with the employer so that all the new hire will come through your company too, through their learning journey? Yeah, um, absolutely. So, so essentially our, our courses, uh, we have a software development course, which is 20 weeks long. Um, so that includes a five week uh, prep course and a 15 week core. Um, usually, you know, for our students who are low income, they'll come for a course that's pre prep. Uh, so then their whole experience is about 24 weeks long. Um, and then for our data science course, uh, with our prep and core is about is 23 weeks. Um, so our data science course is longer um, and our programs run from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, Monday to Friday. And, and so it is a full-time, um, you know, like very intensive program that's really focused on our brand promise around employability. Um, so, so I think, you know, like, especially when it comes to training talent uh, in, in these markets, you know, I, I think some of the baseline skills that, that, that you might kind of like expect from students in uh in the u.s or or in europe because of you know like certain types of of education um you know we need to actually spend time uh like building that foundation before students can can really embark on their software development journey or, or data science journey and so uh you, you know like, like our, our focus really is on how do we kind of transform our talents and our students uh, to be able to actually uh you know find uh, full-time employment afterwards um and to uh, build a better life for themselves. And, and so, you know, that, that's why our courses are longer and also um, fairly intense. What type of accreditation you, leave to your, you give to your students? Is it a diploma or a certificate? Um, so essentially, we are accredited with the uh, Technical and Vocational Education Training Authority in the Kenyan government. Um, so students are able to get certificates. You know, I, I think it's interesting because when we started, students were really concerned about wanting a certificate. But as our brand has grown over time, especially among employers um, and students and parents, it's been, it's, you know, it, it's still, you know, an interest of like, you know, is it possible for us to get a diploma through Moringa? But really, I, 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 you know, like what we've heard is that students are coming to our programs regardless of, 
you know, knowing like whether or not they'll, they'll get a certificate, et cetera. Um, so I think it, it's just the fashion has grown over time. Yeah, I shared the same experience on that. In fact, uh, the training center that I established in Singapore initially had the word school in the denomination. But as the branding uh, grew and we started working with more and more um, international customers, then we removed the word school. And our certificate of attendance had a branding value that was somehow even more powerful than other competitors that they were providing accredited certification also because the the training method was completely different compared to the others and that's where i wanted to also ask you the next question then diana i will hand it over to you again um, in terms of uh, curriculum development what type of tools do you utilize do you use technology do you provide uh, textbooks uh, do you provide uh, mobile phones for them to test their their outputs, what type of support? Do you have labs? Do you have multiple classrooms? If you can describe how the school looks like, because I see that you are in the hundreds in terms of employees, so I'm imagining the school, the school to be quite big, and how many branches you have, and how does it work? Sure, um, so Moringa School, we have two campuses. So we have our main campuses in Kenya, and we have another in Rwanda. Um, so, so in terms of uh, how our education works, so we do have a blended like offline online approach, um, which I think will, will definitely be more pushed towards online with coronavirus. Um, and so essentially before coronavirus, uh, students were coming to our program, um, you know, like our, our actual campus every day from 8 a.m. Uh, to 6 p.m. And so uh, when students come in, they would essentially do a, a daily stand-up. Um, so really talking about what they learned the day before, what they're learning today, and what challenges that they had from the day before. And so the rest of the day, students are actually learning through our learning management system. Um, and so, you know, they're working individually or working in groups to actually build on their portfolio. And so we would have sprints from Monday and Tuesday, another sprint from Wednesday and Thursday. And then we have like a full day of independent projects on Friday. Um, so, so they can really significantly add to their portfolio. And so essentially our teachers at Moringa are more like facilitators um, or mentors as opposed to traditional teachers. And so we have at most like a 5% teaching time. And most of the day students are actually working through our learning man management system and actually uh, like contributing to their portfolio. And so interwoven in that, which I think is also quite important, is a good amount of soft skills uh, training as well, uh, which we tried to kind of introduce like just in time. And, and so, for example, when uh, when we know that there is like a, a spike in our curriculum and that's more difficult, um, we'll we'll maybe like you know run a workshop uh, on imposter syndrome. And, and so, you know, we, we do try to get a lot of data back from our students to know, like, you know, what are the, what, what are the peaks? Uh, how, how do we actually um, really make sure students are feeling emotionally and psychologically supported during this period as well, um, given how difficult the experience is? Um, so I'm, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but. Indeed, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for answering. Diane, back to you. Thanks. Um, so Audrey was wondering, you know, what, what do your students look like? Um, you know, uh, are they, it sounds like maybe they're not, they're mostly not post high school. Maybe they have some work experience or, you know, is it post college before pre-college? Um, and you also have a reputation for um, developing more uh, females, uh, more women than, than males, I guess. I mean, because females here or women here um, actually have a, quite a big disadvantage, especially with, with education. Yeah, definitely. So essentially, our, our student makeup is a third uh, of our students are secondary school graduates, 
and two thirds are either in university or have graduated from university. Um, and so, you know, like we actually, depending on like the time of year, um, because in Kenya, you know, when students graduate from secondary school, they sometimes they have between nine to 12 months before they start university. And, and so, you know, we, we, we do see like a spike in secondary school graduates uh, attending our, our programs um, because of like their, their kind of their, their break. Um, I guess in terms of the, the women's side, so, you know, our, uh, you know, our management team at Moringa is almost all women. Um, and, and so, which like wasn't necessarily like fully intentional to say like, you know, we only wanted all women, but it just turned out that, um, that like the best candidates we found uh, were, were women for those roles. Um, and so, you know, naturally, I think we, we do try to, obviously we do check in on like gender parity and making sure that we are um, really championing certain um, measures around diversity, um, uh, you know, within our classrooms and within our teams. And so, you know, like previously in the past, like we've uh, run programs um, that were like full, full female boot camps as well. Uh, in Rwanda, uh, mostly because of our funder, um, we are uh, running like, you know, full female programs. And so actually in Rwanda, we haven't actually trained um, any, uh, any male, males yet. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so, yeah, so Rwanda is full female and then Kenya is, is definitely uh, still a mix. Wow, great. Um, okay, so we talked a lot about the curriculum. Uh, can you give us an idea? I mean, I guess it's probably very, I'm thinking, I'm wondering about the price or the cost uh, for someone to, to join. And I know you said, you know, um, depending on what, I guess, what programs they take and how long it is. Uh, but can you give us a range? Um, yeah, so our program, uh, so for software development, our program is about $1,800 uh, for a five-month course. Okay, and that's, I think that's, is that relatively cheap in this uh, space? Or is that, I'm not very well-versed in the pricing of, of these, uh, of education here, actually, but it seems quite mm -hmm. decent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so generally, you know, we are targeting more like middle and upper class uh, parents. Um, and so, uh, you, you know, like if you look at the pricing, even when it comes to like a private, it is pretty on par in terms of the amount of time it is um, and, and what's, what parents usually pay for about a six month program. And so, you know, we, we are priced uh, to be more at the level of private university. So if you look at Strathmore University, um, you know, they, they could charge like, you know, depending on the course, they can charge like 200,000 or even higher for a, a semester, um, which is actually, you know, like more expensive than our program as well. Um, I, and so, you know, I, I think especially like in Kenya, like there's such a high value in, in um, like place on education, especially around quality education. And so it's something that, you know, people are willing to take out loans for and really do see like a, a clear return on investment for. Um, and so, you know, I, I think for, for us, like because we've been able to deliver on the expectations um, that our students and parents have set for us, um, that we're willing, we're still able to get students to, um, to join our programs. Mm -hmm. Audrey, to keep yeah. things in context, you mentioned 200,000, that's Kenyan shillings, I guess. Shillings. So that's yes, 2,000. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Which is equivalent to pretty much how, my, uh, how much in US dollars? About $2,000. Okay, so it, it's pretty much aligned to the price that you are charging or slightly more expensive. Your competitors are slightly more expensive. That's what mm -hmm. you wanted to say, right? Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so who would you consider your competitors? 
Yeah, um, I think that that's a good question. You know, I actually, I was speaking with one of our alumni yesterday who was asking me like why Moringa didn't have any competitors. And I was like, oh, it's interesting, like from a alumni perspective um, that, that, that they would say that. Uh, you know, I, honestly, you know, I think like I mentioned, like in the last few years, there have been some like smaller programs across the continent that have started up, um, but we haven't seen any programs kind of reach, reach the scale that, that we, we've reached uh, in Kenya. Um, and so I, I guess in terms of um, in terms of competitors, like you know, previously um, we, we might have said uh, you know like like you know universities like maybe as like secondary competitors. Um, you know, there are other kind of programs like that were more like uh, software development shops like Indela um, that were also pooling from like the the same candidates. Um, but in reality, right now, because Indela is not running any more trainings, um, you know, like we're essentially just pipeline partners for them and also for um, for employers as well. And so. We haven't seen, uh, you know, like many others, like, like at our, especially at our scale, um, that, that we would uh, consider competitors. Can you share some uh, success stories uh, in terms of uh, your students and your employer? Eventually, did you manage to solve the problem that you wanted to solve? Your, your idea was to solve the problem of uh, sourcing talents for uh, employer. Um, now, six, six years down the road, uh, share with us some success stories from both sides. Um, yeah, so, so essentially in terms of our, like, our success stories at Moringa, so, you know, like, I, I think we have a ton of success stories from our very first, um, our very first cohort all the way to the, the, the last cohort um, that we've graduated. And so, um, you know, an example of a student from our first cohort uh, was a student who was a secondary school graduate. Um, and so generally in Kenya, you know, for employers, it's quite difficult to find, uh, to, to be able to hire people who don't have a university graduate. Um, and, and so, you know, her, her concern was quite valid. And so I remember the, the couple weeks leading up to the, the graduation, um, you know, she was still feeling like, look, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find employment, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so after, she actually ended up receiving about five to six job offers um, from really great companies in Kenya. Um, and then beyond that as well, you know, if you look at where she is today, she's like a senior um, software developer. Um, you know, she, she's worked at some of like the most, uh, I guess, reputable tech companies in Kenya um, and, and, and continues to, um, to find a lot of opportunities elsewhere as well. Um, we've also had a couple of, um, well, not a couple, but we've had some graduates as well, who've, of course, found employment at you know, the likes of Safaricom and other kind of big companies in Kenya. But we've also had some, uh, you know, who have moved abroad um, to, 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 you know, find other opportunities. And so, you know, I was just speaking with um, one of our alumni the other day, who's actually now in Germany, uh, you know, working as a software developer for a company there. I, and so, you know, it's been really kind of amazing to see um, our alumni, like, really go kind of like, like, uh, like far and wide. Um, I guess another one that's a little bit random um, was, you know, I, I was uh, speaking at the Harvard uh, Africa Business Conference last year, um, and, you know, I, I was just meeting with a couple of people, and I remember, you know, like, like this, like, this one gentleman, like, comes up to me, and it's like, hey, like, you know, like, are you, are you from Moringa? Um, and it turned out that he was actually one of our alumni, um, and he was, like, he was then, like, an, an, an undergraduate at Harvard, and he, he had told me that, you know, like, before, you know, even applying for college, like, he just wasn't sure what he wanted to do with his life, and, you know, since Moringa School, like, he was able to find, like, consulting opportunities, so he's, he was still working while 
while being a student at Harvard and like and was pursuing a degree in uh, in computer science. And so yeah, I I mean like I think we've just had a lot of um, just really kind of inspiring stories of students who really were able to find their their potential through um, through our program at Moringa. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Bayan, any question from you? Yeah. Um, so you mentioned earlier that uh, COVID affected the business. Can you tell us, you know, positively, negatively, what were the impacts of COVID on Moringa School? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so essentially, uh, you know, on March 15th, uh, the Kenyan government announced school closures. Um, and so that meant that like immediately, like, you know, we, we had to start shifting everything online. And so we had originally anticipated that it would take a couple weeks before the government would actually shift things uh, and, and make that call. Um, but they, they were really kind of swift uh, to responding to, um, to, to, to the first case of COVID. And so it meant that, you know, we needed within a week's time uh, to move everything um, online. And so our team worked like overtime, we, we, like this really just made sure that, you know, we're able to really transition our, our experience online effectively. Um, luckily for us, because we, we were and we are very tech enabled, it wasn't as difficult uh, for us as potentially other schools. Um, and, and so we were able to, you know, train our, our teachers uh, in how do you actually create engaging environments online, um, you know, like build curriculum for our students on how do you actually uh, transition to an online learning platform and, you know, how do you continue to get the most value out of your education? And so, you know, we, we had a lot of success there where, where we had over, like, you know, about an 88% retention of students from our offline program to online, uh, which I think was very uh, like overwhelmingly positive for us. Um, and, and so, you know, we're still obviously like, you know, our program's not perfect online, but we're still working out the kinks um, and making sure that we can continue to, to deliver on student expectations. Um, I think the, the other challenge, um, I think by and large, is just the fact uh, it's more of a global challenge is that, you know, economies globally are, uh, are shrinking and the number of jobs, um, especially in these markets, uh, is also shrinking. And so I think one of our challenges now is figuring out how can we link our students to, uh, to other different types of opportunities. So if it's not formal employment, is it freelancing? Um, is it remote work for companies elsewhere? Uh, and so that, that is a lot of the, the research and the work that, that we're driving on our teams just to kind of understand, you know, how can we continue to ensure that students can succeed after a program? Have you experienced so far any of your students going solo, starting their own startup and launching their own application? Can you make some examples? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, I think in our in our program for both uh, our software development and data science program, at the very end, we have a three week uh, project period uh, where students are actually building um, building apps and, and building projects to problems that they identify. So it's either that or, or they go through like an employer centered ideation project where employers are giving problem statements and students are actually building um, building for employers. Um, and so, you know, we, we have had a number of uh, graduates actually take their projects and try to start companies with them. Um, I, I think obviously as Moringa, we, we're not teaching, you know, skills and entrepreneurship. So, you know, we're, we're only teaching like, you know, part of the equation of building a company. Um, and, and so, you know, it has been like of interest to us of thinking about how can we support our students who are building companies um, to actually, you know, acquire like the right kind of skills uh, in, in order to do so. And so it, it's, a, it's more of a longer term project, um, but it's definitely something we're interested in. Do you have any platform where employers can uh, see the alumni and contact them directly for making them offers? How does it work? You take that stake in the uh, ecosystem or you are not involved in that? 
Definitely. Um, so essentially employers uh, generally reach out to us directly. So either our like contact us at moringa.com email or uh, or just like through someone they know at Moringa. And so that, that's generally how it works. Uh, and we have a core team that actually deals with uh, employers and make sure that, you know, we are able to meet their expectations when they're looking for talent. Thanks for sharing that. So um, I guess I have last question here. You were talking a little bit about the future um, for Moringa. I wanted to hear your take on uh, where do you see Moringa School in the next five years or so? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you, you know, I, I think that that's part of the process that actually we're just we're undergoing now uh, to define that, uh, you know, together with our exco, with our broader team and, and also our board. Um, and, and so, you, you know, I, I think for us, like we're seeing a lot of really interesting opportunities during this period um, because, you know, we have uh, especially Kenyan students in other parts of the continent um, who are taking part in our education because now it's fully online, like, like they can actually, you know, access our program in ways that they couldn't before. Um, so we are seeing opportunities uh, to, to look, you know, beyond Kenya uh, and, to, and to build a more scalable and, and leaner model um, of education delivery. And so, you know, I, I think we're, you know, we're quite excited about that. We're excited about um, our, you know, continuous interest in corporate training um, and also the way that our students um, and parent uh, sentiment and behavior might be changing during this period to really kind of be more open to online learning. Um, and so, you know, I think, of course, some of the risks that we're seeing as well is just like, you know, generally, um, if the economy continues to um, to shrink, uh, you know, there's less money in the economy, like how much students and parents will really be able to pay. Um, and so we are thinking a lot about, you know, like how can we make sure that we do understand how the world is changing and how, you know, our product and, and our delivery for students needs to change with it as well. Um, and so, you know, again, just we have probably now still have more questions than answers, um, but we're trying to, you know, set up a process in which we can start uh, answering some of our big questions. It makes sense, but I mean, yeah, it, it feels like the COVID uh, forced shift is actually, you know, um, it's turning out to be positive. It's forcing you guys to get online. It's opening up more uh, newer markets. Yes, the job market is changing, but, you know, I, even though employment rates are uh, um, increasing, I think it's, it's just changing. We just need to understand what are the different jobs that are going to be in demand versus, you know, what, what we had before, uh, which could be more like, technical, more coding based, more, you know, um, more targeted to actually to your, your uh, graduates. Um, okay, so um, we're, I, I know we're running short on time here. I wanted to give you a um, minute or two to do a shout out, to do a- uh, One last question, like, allow me to ask- Oh, sorry, question. yes, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, Audrey, I wanted to actually share an information, but at the same time ask you a question. Um, I have launched a startup that is operating in Uganda, so I'd love to definitely stay in contact uh, with you and understand if you have uh, students from Uganda or in Uganda that you are currently training, and I would like to uh, be in contact with that. And before we, we give you the last minute for your last message, I also wanted to uh, ask you in terms of um, uh, investment. You say that um, you, have, uh, raised, you, you have done some raising last year. Uh, so in your last minute, if you want to include also a word for investors and how you would like to involve investors in your business, uh, not only that, but also if you want to talk to our audience and uh, share with them uh, whatever information you want to share about uh, your school uh, for onboarding or um, the type of culture and philosophy that you are sharing besides the coding itself. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, just to answer your, your question about kind of our general investment history. So, uh, you know, last year we did raise our first round, um, our seed round from, uh, you know, DOB Equity, uh, Proparco, Savannah Funds, uh, Entangled Ventures in the U.S. So, so, so you know, we, we did have a number of really strong investors for our seed round. Um, and we also brought in uh, MasterCard Foundation as a really uh, big partner for us um, to continue to scale up our work in Kenya. Um, and so, yeah, so, so I think for, for us, you know, I, I do think um, uh, as per like Diane's like last question about uh, the opportunities in COVID, I do think that the opportunities are absolutely there, um, but we just need to be able to, to capture them. And so, you know, I, I think when we think about, um, you know, originally we were going to raise our Series A this year, uh, and, and we're still testing to see if that's possible or, or if we want to push it um, to next year. But I think in general, you know, we do see quite a lot of opportunities that, that we want to be able to move fast on. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and you know, in general, we're always looking for, for more partners to, to do that. Great. So your last minute, uh, share with the audience what you want to share. Uh, if you want to talk about um, your upcoming programs or your next intake, feel free to share with our audience and um, share also the touch point. So far, we have mentioned the website. If there is any other way to get in contact with you. Sure, absolutely. Um, so, so people have any kind of specific questions or comments or, or thoughts or opportunities. Um, yeah, it will be great if people can reach out to uh, to our email uh, on moringaschool.com or reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. Um, I I'm not I try to be semi-active um, on LinkedIn, so yeah, so ha happy to engage with people um, that way. But in general, thank you so much for for these questions and inviting me on this podcast yeah it's great to chat with both of you and thank you for your time every every question you start your answer by saying definitely definitely so I, i'm sure you are a person <laughs> that knows exactly what what you want and i'm sure that you're gonna go ahead with a bright success ahead thank you for the time audrey it was it was interesting hearing so much more about moringa because i've heard so much from the grapevine so much from people who have graduated and people who want to apply all good things so it's it's nice to look under the hood and hear about your story. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.